Welcome back to Blockstream Talk, today's conversations with Christian Decker, a researcher and developer working on the Lightning Network. Christian is well known for writing one of the world's first PhD theses on Bitcoin, and also in a bizarre case of parallel evolution, inventing a Lightning Network-like concept just before the release of what later became known as the Lightning Network. We didn't get much into that this time. If you're interested in that story though, you can go back and check out our last conversation with Christian. This time though, Christian runs us through a history of core lightning, Blockstream's lightning implementation. We also spent a lot of time talking about Greenlight, Blockstream's non-custodial solution to lower the lightning network entry barrier. In a nutshell, Greenlight lets developers outsource node management while still maintaining control of keys, making lightning more accessible to businesses and apps that are lightning curious. This is a follow-up on a similar conversation we had on broadly the same topics with Rusty Russell. So I would definitely recommend also going back and taking a look at that conversation. Enjoy the episode, and if you have any questions or thoughts on the Lightning Network, let us know in the comments below. Christian, thanks for joining the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Um, so I was talking to Jesse J, the producer, before we started, and he said that our last conversation was two years ago. That's very possible. Yeah, it was one of the first ones, right? It's... Uh... Three, four, five, maybe. Wow, time time goes by so quickly. Um, maybe to start off as a recap for people who haven't um, you know, listened to the last podcast, do you want to do a quick introduction and share your background in computer science and what you do at Blockstream? Of course, yeah. Uh, so, hi, my name is Chris. Uh, I am a Bitcoin enthusiast uh, from quite early on. I stumbled over the paper in 2009. Uh, did my PhD on the scalability and security of Bitcoin. And once that was done, I joined Blockstream to continue down that road uh, because one of the last sort of publications I, uh, I made was a uh, competitor to the Lightning Network. And we decided to essentially uh, join forces and uh, abandon sort of my counter proposal and uh, essentially work on a uh, homogeneous network that uh, everybody can join. Very good. All right. Can you take us through maybe the history of Core Lightning? How did it start and, and what have been the major mi milestones in its development so far? So yeah, in uh, 2015, uh, Taj and Joseph uh, published the Lightning paper. And while there was quite a bit of uh, excitement around in the, uh, in the community, there wasn't really a team that uh, that uh, took up the challenge of actually building out this uh, theoretical thing, and sort of fill in the gaps that uh, that the paper did not sort of cover. Um, so uh, in 2015, when when uh, when my colleague Rusty joined Blockstream, he was all excited about becoming a Bitcoin core developer. Uh, learning C++ and uh, trying to to find his way inside of the uh, Bitcoin core source. And uh, he was asked by uh, the um, by the leadership of Blockstream, hey, there is there is this lightning. Uh, you wrote something about how one could implement it and somebody has to implement it. So why don't you do it? And so that's that's how Core Lightning got started. Essentially, nobody, everybody was afraid that uh, implementing Lightning would be a major task that uh, takes on of uh, takes years of of implementation work, or years of of grunt work, 
and uh, somebody won, uh, somebody had to do it. And so Rusty started uh, with Sea uh, Lightning, as it was still called back then. Um, and I joined about a year later. And uh, we uh, once we had those, uh, one, once we had the core light, the core of Sea Lightning in in place, we uh, we joined the first ever specification meeting in Milan in twenty sixteen. Because we all realized that uh, while having a lightning implementation is nice, um, there were other implementations popping up left and right. And if we wanted the lightning network to be true to its name, namely a network, we better make sure that uh, the various implement uh, implementations are compatible. And so we essentially pooled all of our experiences uh, during that meeting uh, redesigned the Lightning Network protocol from scratch based on those experiences that we had from various implementations. And that's what became the Lightning uh, Network specification. And ever since then, we've continued to work on the specification, uh, trying to make Core Lightning uh, sort of the showcase of, uh, of the Lightning specification, uh, sort of the experimental platform on which to continue uh, expanding the Lightning Network specification. And so that's how we still are, uh, are working on, on uh, C-Lightning or Core Lightning as it's now nowadays known. Can you, can you explain a bit about that that's kind of spec-driven philosophy behind the development of Core Lightning? And, and how do you think those guiding principles influence the, the direction and the priorities of the project overall? Absolutely. Uh, as in every protocol, there are quite a few choices that we have to make when uh, uh, as to how do we communicate, uh, what kind of trade-offs are we uh, are we willing to take on, and what works and what doesn't. Essentially, all of the learnings that we pulled out during the Milan meeting, uh, we continue to learn, and we continue to essentially learn about what uh, what works in this network and what doesn't, and that information now feeds back into the Lightning Network specification. And we're trying to make it uh, not just more feature complete, but also simpler to implement as well, um, allowing potentially other implementations to come, uh, see our work, and essentially continue working uh, working on top of that experience without having to, to reinvent the wheel all over again. The, Core Lightning implementation is, is maintained by a relatively small team and a large cloud of, uh, of outside contributors um, that are working on the open source uh, project. And as such, it was pretty clear for us that, that we, couldn't be, so, uh, we couldn't be the implementation that competes on having all of the different, uh, different features like uh, call it a kitchen sink implementation. The, uh, so we decided early on that our focus would be to implement the specification as closely as possible, use that implementation for experimental evaluation and feeding that information back into the Lightning specification. And since then, we have come up with a, a large number of, uh, of proposals uh, both accepted as well as pending uh, to the Lightning specification. Among some of them, we have Onion messages. We have the Bolt 12 standard for uh, negotiation of, hey, I'm 
about to do a payment, how, what what should it be denominated in? What amounts are we talking about? Uh, is this a recurring uh, instance uh, or not? And uh, other features like dual uh, dual funding and splicing and and some of these made it into the Lightning specification already, but many more we have pending. And so we try to essentially come up with new technologies for the Lightning specification that we can then make available to every other implementation as well, so that the network as a whole can be more efficient and can give its users more utility, essentially. As an open source project, how does that development in Core Lightning, how does that actually happen um, in terms of a process and how the community contributes to it? So it's very much an open source project. Uh, we do have a number of maintainers that are uh, employed by Blockstream. Uh, and the main, the main goal of these maintainers is to essentially organize the process for the open source project where uh, volunteers are coming in, coming up with, with new ideas of, uh, of what, what one might uh, implement or completely new applications even that, uh, that we hadn't thought about. And it being an open source project very much underlines this, uh, this concept, right? Uh, we might be the uh, shepherds of the project, but we certainly don't know where, where every single sheep is, go is roaming around. So uh, it is up to us to keep it safe and keep it organized, but, uh, but at the same time, enable all of, uh, all of the users to make the project their own and to adapt it to their needs uh, uh, themselves. And so we see ourselves very much as, as shepherds uh, and, and less as leaders. Could you explain a little bit about plugins and how they work in Core Lightning? Oh, that, that's a very interesting concept. We, we came up uh, relatively early on. Uh, so I mentioned before that we are a small team and we don't have the ability to implement all of the, uh, all of the various kind of trade-offs and kind of logics that uh, that users might want uh, might want to implement um, especially because if we were we would be sort of the roadblock for everybody right if everybody had to submit their ideas to us and we had to sort of say hey this is a good idea or not then then they couldn't experiment right and who are we uh, to to have that authority even and so it was, it was clear from the very get-go that we would need to create a system onto which uh, everybody can build their own customizations. And uh, to do that, we, uh, we came up with the plugin system, which essentially allows users to uh, load additional uh, logic, load additional programs into Core Lightning and uh, Customize certain aspects of uh, of what the uh, what, what Core Lightning can do. So some of these are adding new command line options. Some of these are adding new uh, remote procedure calls, and some of these actually reach deep into Core Lightning and uh, and mod uh, and customize some core behavior of uh, of the daemon, such as. Uh, we have a uh, we have what's called an HTLC accepted hook, which gets called whenever we get an incoming payment, whether that's forward, uh, the, whether we're supposed to forward, or we are the final recipient. 
every single incoming HTLC gets uh, uh, calls the plugin, and the plugin gets to say, okay, yes, this this matches uh, a payment that I am expecting. Um, but I'm not sure that that I have enough inventory, for example. And so while the payment is still pending, you can go and check if uh, if the item you're about to ship out is actually ready, and only accept the payment once you're you've you've made sure. Okay, yes, this this is I I am going to be able to fulfill this order. And so these kinds of optimizations, integrating into wider uh, wider ecosystem whether that's a hobbyist wanting to get notified uh, via Telegram uh, whenever there is a payment coming in, or if it's, uh, if it's uh, say, Amazon wanting to check if they really have inventory before accepting a payment for, for something. That is, uh, that is sort of the, the uh, width of the, of the supported use cases, thanks to uh, being able to essentially give people the tools to build out and customize themselves. All right, that's very interesting. What about, so I want to talk about Greenlight. We, we had Rusty on last week and we talked about that quite a bit. Um, as I understand it, Core Lightning is the engine behind Greenlight. Could you explain a bit about how those two work together? Absolutely. So with, with Core Lightning, we essentially build out the, uh, the system in a very modular way. I, we've, we've already talked about plugins. Plugins are essentially just standalone pieces of uh, standalone scripts or standalone programs that get called and then sort of print to print to the screen and read from the screen. Essentially, the screen essentially being the uh, the medium which we use to talk to the rest of the the system. But we further split the uh, uh, core Lightning implementation into subdaemons, which uh, each of these parts is uh, is very much in charge of a very specific aspect of, of the overall functionality. So for example, each connection to a peer is its own little process. It's segmented, it's compartmentalized. Uh, we also have a uh, gossip daemon that is in charge only of uh, managing our view of the network, for example. And this modularity allows us to pick and choose different pieces and uh, and recompose the uh, the core lightning daemon in different different configurations. And one of the uh, configurations that we that uh, that we found actually works uh, as well is, hey, we can we can take core lightning and replace some of the heavy parts that uh, uh, that take up a lot of memory, take up a lot of, a lot of CPU. Can they be shared? Can they be? Uh, can uh, can those be uh, be run uh, on on a, on a hosted basis? And can we somehow make that secure in a way that uh, that we as operators could not initiate anything? And it turns out, yes. Uh, from the uh, from the very get go, we had a subdaemon called the HSMD. Uh, it's a very aspirational name because it has the word HSM, hardware security module, in there, and it was by no means uh, a hardware security module. But by uh, uh, it was the part that, uh, or still is the part that is in charge of managing keys and performing signatures and verifying that whatever the rest of Core Lightning has decided it wants to do actually matches what uh, what we were told we we should be doing. And so 
what what we did was we noticed that we could take core lightning strip out the uh, uh the hsmd the signer component and move that over to the user uh, devices and so with this we can actually run 99% of the resource hungry components on our uh, on a hosting platform while still keeping the keys safe and secure in a segregated uh, user managed uh, piece of software that we don't have access to and uh, what uh, uh, and and that is pretty much what what Greenlight is after all. We take Core Lightning as it is being built in the open as an open source project. Uh, we swap out uh, some parts, uh, specifically the, uh, the 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 signer component is no longer run locally, but connects to to the outside to a user controlled device. And uh, and we provide access to those nodes to end users. And the goal here is to provide a, a hosted non-custodial solution, which we think is a new uh, sort of trade-off, a new point in the spectrum from custodial to non-custodial. Custodial sort of being seen as the easiest for uh, from point of view of user experience and sort of non-custodial being seen as the hardest, but most uh, desirable because you have fully self-sovereign users that essentially know and uh, and manage their, their own funds. And with Greenlight, we position ourselves somewhere in between there. We are non-custodial. We, uh, we don't have access to funds, but we uh, we do have access in order to uh, to help users figure out what uh, what works and take on some of the managerial uh, functions, especially when it comes to infrastructure, uh, which can be very tricky for especially for new users when we're talking about backups and safety and. Uh, uh, and channel management. So that's essentially the problem that Greenlight is trying to solve, right? Is that the infrastructure management part could be kind of tricky and daunting also to new users and maybe to some degree throttles adoption. And if you guys can take on that part and then you give the users the key functionality of holding their keys, um, then that's kind of a good middle of the road approach. Exactly. And as you mentioned, it is especially useful for new users that might not have had any experience with Lightning before. And especially for those, these kinds of uh, different trade-offs, uh, right? Taking a backup of your, of your database is no longer safe. It can, uh, especially those can be quite tricky to understand, at least initially. And our goal is, uh, is to provide them with an easy way to get access to the Lightning Network see what it can do for them, see the upside, and only then expose them to all of the difficulties and all of the challenges that they might have to overcome if they wanted to self-host. But our ultimate goal here should always be to educate the users about, hey, this is, this is what we're doing behind the scenes. And if you want to, do, uh, to, to run your own node, which we highly encourage, we allow you to export your node to your own infrastructure. Uh, we see that as an upgrade path, as a way to uh, to improve your experience and take uh, take out or remove one more intermediary, which is us, 
because you don't need it anymore. You don't need that assistance anymore. Is the idea then to educate people and get their confidence up to a level where they can move on and um, self-host completely by themselves? Or do you think you'll have users that kind of stay with Greenlight in this middle ground for a longer period of time, maybe indefinitely? The goal is definitely to make it uh, accessible to everybody to eventually off-board from Greenlight and take on responsibility for their own node. That being said, it, of course, isn't up to us to force people to do anything. And uh, I'd, I'd like to see people try it. I, I hear Google is trying to educate people about the dangers of ad blockers, for example. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's working out great, I'm hearing. But uh, the idea is, is uh, we can't do much more than, uh, than provide the, uh, the information and make material accessible. It is ultimately up to the end user to decide, hey, this is an important aspect of my life. I want to dedicate some time in learning and upgrading my experience. But it might also be the case that you have a purely utilitarian view of the thing and you're here to accept, uh, to, to receive and send lightning and you're, you're, you are very smart in choosing a choice where, uh, that, uh, where, you don't, uh, where you don't have to trust a third party, but uh, you might still not have the time to invest in, in this. And this is something that, that I have a very hard time uh, realizing is that not everybody is interested in these kinds of technical details. And who are we to, to, to push these onto people? So we, while we are working on the spec side on making it more accessible and easier, we are also very much aware that these skills are, are not something that anybody even wants to achieve. And so if, uh, if I'm just, uh, if, if I have my, my grocery uh, shop, uh, I might be happy just using Lightning without digging into Lightning. And we should be, we should be okay with, uh, with these users as well. Um, and so, yes, there will be part of the Greenlight users that are happy with, with how it's working and do not have any desire uh, uh, in in learning more, in educating, but the important part is that this flexibility, this mobility, is there, right? If they were to change their mind and want to learn more and want to dig in, there has to be a way for them to do so, and that's very different from from our financial system for today, where essentially intermediaries are uh, uh, are chosen by by uh, whoever <laughs> this mobility just isn't there now that's kind of the whole custodial versus non-custodial debate right as everybody knows that they should probably custody their own assets but in reality it just seems like a, a, maybe the majority of people just don't want to go down that route for whatever reason so um you know uh, custodial wallets are some of the most popular and of course people put way too much assets on exchange and then periodically you know get blown up um, but that's just kind of the way uh, it, uh, human nature seems to be. And it's it's quite a hard challenge to actually to actually get started in in, in this space, right? We we have a tendency of forgetting this, but uh, I, I remember when I first read the white paper in in uh, two thousand nine. 
I had to read it like 10 times. It, it didn't make any sense. And uh, I, it, it, it took a while for me to realize its beauty and, and, and to even see how it works. And now we're expecting users to instantly get it. We might have better educational material, but the stuff is still hard, right? And so let's 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 have the same compassion uh, with uh, with newly joining people that we had with ourselves when we first saw the paper. Definitely, and for developers and businesses that are looking to onboard with um, with with Greenlight and to integrate Lightning payments, um, how do they go about that? What do they need to do? The idea here is uh, to uh, to essentially enable or free app developers from from having to learn about Lightning. Right? If you if you were to bundle a Lightning node with your application, first of all, you'd have to split up uh, your uh, your your funds across all of the applications that are Lightning enabled. Whereas with Greenlight, you can keep all of your funds in one place. This is very much a uh, uh, the, the the old story of specialization, right? Uh, we at Blockstream happen to have built Core Lightning and are uh, experts when it comes to running it, but uh, I have not been able to build a a Lightning wallet that looks uh, that that it wasn't uh, command line based, so. Um, it was pretty clear to us that that we need help, at least when it comes to to visuals and and user experience. And uh, the name, as a matter of fact, comes from the uh, from Green, our Bitcoin on chain wallet, needing Lightning, hence Greenlight. Ah, uh, that makes sense now. <laughs> I should <have> guess that. <laughs> okay, yeah. And we uh, we essentially decided that yes, uh, while it is being used for Green. It, it uh, the the base functionality would be very useful for uh, for other applications as well, right? App devs don't have to don't have to learn how to automate a Lightning node. They don't have to know how to run a Lightning node. And so what we built out is a, a relatively simple API. It uh, if you've ever talked to Core Lightning, it looks very much like the API for Core Lightning, and uh, we have a, a control plane that allows. Uh, applications to spin up and spin down new, new nodes on demand. And so if you are a developer trying to build uh, build the next Lightning-enabled app or just have an application that you'd, you'd like to add uh, Lightning uh, support to, you can go to greenlight.blockstream.com and get a, uh, get a developer certificate. And with that developer certificate and the client libraries, you can uh, you can spin up to one thousand nodes on on our platform for free, and we have uh, we are still working on finalizing the pricing for uh, for the final offering, but uh, we uh, we should be uh, we should be very competitive when it when it comes to pricing. Um, so what you as a developer are doing, you uh, you are essentially building an application that has the client libraries inside, and your users will install that application. And on first start, your uh, the the library creates a secret uh, that is used to create private keys, and it contacts our service to say, "Hey, I'm a new I'm a new user. Create a new node." And in in less than a second, you essentially have a node 
created on our system and you can connect to it and uh, treat it as if it were any other Core Lightning node. Um, it's a Core Lightning node that spins up and spins down, but you won't notice that the, that, that happens in the, in the background. That's part of the magic that we run uh, on our end. And I guess one of the key benefits is, you know, from a security and a regulatory perspective is that you don't have to custody users' assets. Exactly, yeah. Uh, very much from the start, that was the number one requirement was that if we're running the service, it cannot have access to the funds. Uh, we'd, we'd prefer not to launch a product rather than, uh, rather than having a custodial solution. And those are just liabilities that we as a, as a service provider do not want. And as we've shown with Greenlight and the split between the node and the signer, we can very much create a system that, uh, in which you don't have to trust even your infrastructure provider uh, from, uh, from, from doing nefarious uh, things because you as the ultimate, uh, the ultimate author, uh, authorizing instance, you will get a chance to say, okay, yes, this is a payment that I have uh, triggered. This is an invoice that I have created. And no, this is not some attacker having gained access to, to the node host uh, and now essentially draining, draining away my funds. And so, yes, the... the uh, the non-custodial nature and the the lack of this liability is is very much what drove the design from the from the start. Yeah, no, that's interesting. If you're somebody like a video game developer and you've got you know in-game payments or something, it's just it, it seems like such a more elegant solution to not be the person from a regulatory perspective that's um, then custodying you know large amounts of user funds with all the risks and kind of obligations that come with that. Absolutely. I mean, we we would be painting a target on our back even if it was uh, if it were known that we could manage or we had access to to, to user funds, right? And by distributing ownership uh, over uh, over the user base and uh, and limiting our own abilities in what we can do. We can we can spread that risk. It's uh, it's uh, they they can't attack a single point of failure, but uh, if if they wanted to drain all of the users' wallets, they'd actually have to compromise each user one by one, rather than having sort of an aggregation point where they can. Uh, where they can leverage. Um, a couple of months ago, when Bitcoin transaction fees were kind of going through the roof, we had the guys from Bolts on, and they had just integrated um, Liquid and Lightning in the in the same wallet. Um, how do you see that developing interoperab interoperability between those two layer twos um, in the future? Oh, we've we've had very good experience over the last uh, couple of years uh, using Liquid to augment the uh, the Bitcoin network. Uh, we've seen several uh, uh, several initiatives. Whether it's uh, it's an offering like Bolts uh, doing uh, doing swaps across those two chains, um, or uh, or PeerSwap, uh, another blockstream project that that aims to essentially balance channels among uh, among peers. Both of these use uh, Liquid as a way to transfer value uh, in a high fee environment sort of outside of the congested areas. Um, 
and uh, the integrations go even further. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had uh, we we published a version of Core Lightning that has support for Liquid BTC, and uh, even Liquid BTC is uh, is, is still maintained uh, to this day. And so, one could, for example, spin up a uh, a uh, an end user network inside of liquid uh, because opening channels in liquid is uh, isn't as expensive and it takes uh, takes less time due to the shorter and more regular block in uh, uh, block rate and uh, and you could then sort of uh, have uh, have an on-chain swap between Bitcoin mainnet and liquid uh, BTC and Unlike other initiatives, this kind of swap doesn't present uh, present any issues, such as the uh, such as the uh, free option problem we have when swapping for for different assets. LBTC and BTC being per- perfectly interchangeable mean that a swap can go through just as if it were just on the same network. And as such, we can bridge the gaps between between these two networks and facilitate uh, fast uh, exchanges of values between these two networks. So I see uh, I see most of these uh, uh, complementary systems slowly getting integrated with each other, uh, be that Liquid, uh, Lightning, PeerSwap, uh, other swapping technologies. And of course, the holy grail would be to uh, to eventually have a uh, USD uh, denominated channel. And who knows? Maybe maybe that will work eventually. Hope springs eternal. Is that so? Looking forward, what are the things that get you most excited about Greenlight and and Core Lightning? Having worked on uh, on Core Lightning for the last oh boy six and a half years. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that uh, that was sort of lacking was uh, was an ability to actually see Core Lightning in action. Uh, it was very much an open source project that uh, that we ran for the Blockstream store, for example, the Lightning uh, uh, the the Lightning satellite uh, messaging system, and uh, we had a presence in the in the network, but mostly as mostly as a service provider, as a recipient of incoming payments. And uh, most of the logic uh, in in Lightning is actually done on the uh, on on the sender side. The sender is the part that actually uh, computes paths that needs to have a view of the network, and. That perspective we didn't have as much, right? And so uh, we were we were often wondering, hey, is this this change that I'm proposing? Is this actually something that is that is working, or did I just make it worse? And um, Greenlight is is very much a service geared towards app developers, yes, but the nodes themselves. Uh, are most likely being run by by end users, and so they are the senders in this system, and uh, that allows us to essentially see how Core Lightning works in in practice, take those learnings and feed them back into Core Lightning, the open source project. Uh, essentially, taking those learnings and making them available and, and improving the experience for uh, for all Core uh, Core Lightning users. 
Um, that is that is certainly one aspect. The other aspect is that we that we finally get to uh, get to fine tune and tweak and see what what the actual challenges users uh, have, uh, and come up with novel solutions. Uh, over the last couple of months, uh, we have uh, worked very closely with Breeze and uh, their um, their LSP. And the LSP component in in the Lightning Network is uh, is very uh, very often still undervalued. Uh, it is what uh, what enables a, a seamless uh, interaction with the Lightning Network before having to dig into all of the specifics. I cannot uh, cannot uh, explain. What uh, uh, what a channel is uh, if you've never received a payment, and so things like the just in time ch uh, channel opens for for LSPs uh, and uh, various optimizations such as zero confirmation and zero reserve, which we uh, which we standardized in the Lightning sp uh, specification. And all of these tiny little details that are sort of add a little bit of polish to the overall experience. That uh, is, is very much something that, uh, that I'd like uh, to see more. Core Lightning um, 2311, the Bitcoin orange paper just dropped. Can you let us know what users can expect from that? So uh, this, is, this is one of our regular releases. Uh, as you can probably tell by the version number, it's date-based. And we publish a new version every three months. And while 2308 was about the biggest release we had in, uh, in years, uh, 2311 uh, is, uh, contains many, many small changes, but, uh, but maybe a bit fewer big changes. Uh, the one big change that, uh, that, that I can for sure uh, share is that the uh, dual funding finally is specification compliant. So dual funding is a proposal that uh, Lisa Nygut or Niftyne came up a couple of years ago that allows us to essentially create channels where both parties contribute funds. Um, currently, a channel has a funder and the funder side is the one providing all of the funds. And that turns out to be a bit suboptimal because if we wanted to immediately be able to send and receive, we'd, uh, we'd have to open two channels, doubling our on-chain footprint. With dual funding, that is, uh, that, is the, uh, that is finally over because it now... The channel funding now is an iterative negotiation where I add a couple of funds, you add a couple of funds, and eventually we have added enough funds that we are happy with the uh, with the channel's capacity that uh, that we have, and then we essentially say, hey, okay, let's let's open this channel for uh, for two bitcoins instead of two channels with one bitcoin. Uh, that uh, this this feature, while available in Core Lightning for a long time, has finally been uh, uh, been uh, verified by the Eclair team, uh, and is thus finally being merged into the Lightning specification. Because one of the rules for Lightning specification is that you have one initial implementation that sort of showcases how it is done. And then the second implementation works off of the uh, specification to ensure that all of the relevant details are in the specification. And that 
that step has finally happened. And so dual funding is, uh, is finally, finally part of the specification. This has been a year long process and is, uh, uh, has, uh, has created a number of subsystems that, uh, that are useful for other stuff as well. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, we also announced the availability of splicing and splicing is also something where the two endpoints meet and this uh, iteratively discuss about what uh, what is going to happen with our funds and so this interactive transaction construction that uh, that is sort of part of both dual funding and splicing is uh, uh, is also part of the uh, the specification that has been merged and so some of the uh, some of the technology stack that was that was very mobile and very sort of changing over time for for splicing has now become much more solid as well and so we are hopeful that splicing will also follow suit in in being standardized um, and so here we go again with with our uh, with our uh, proposals making it into the specification after being verified uh, inside of Corelight. That's great. I mean, that sounds like a pretty significant efficiency gain. It it absolutely is. It essentially uh, has the uh, the on chain footprint, which especially in these uh, high fee uh, yeah. times can be quite impactful. It also ensures that uh, that right from the get go, you uh, uh, you have a channel that you can use both for sending and receiving because now it's it starts off uh, in a balanced fashion, whereas before you might have uh, done uh, open two channels, in which case one channel opens before the other, and you're still waiting for the other one to open. Or even worse, there uh, there are some uh, some hacky ways of creating a balanced channel by essentially one side promising yes yes I'll, I'll I will credit you with with the funds uh, that 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 you sent me and that would essentially be you send half a bitcoin on chain to me and I will open a one bitcoin channel and. By promise, the first state is half of that belongs to you and half of that belongs to me. But of course, you have to trust me that I'm actually going to use the, that half Bitcoin that you just sent me for uh, for the channel so that I promised I'd, I'd open for you. Introducing trust into a trustless system. Absolutely, and in in that sense, it's not just it's not just a performance improvement, but also a security improvement, because all of these hacky workarounds are no longer necessary, essentially. For, for people looking to get involved in core lightning de development, particularly uh, in terms of plugin and code development, what kind of advice would you give to those people? So we have very extensive uh, documentation pages uh, at docs.corelightning.org. Org, yes. Um, that's that's the downside of uh, having it remembered inside of your uh, of your browser bar. You don't never have to type the uh, the final couple of uh, letters. Um, uh, that is uh, uh, that is where we keep our documentation. Uh, it should be a good entry point for end users, developers wanting to build on Core Lightning, uh, including plugins, of course. Uh, or uh, developers wanting to help out with the Core Lightning project itself, that's a very good starting point uh, right there. We also have a, uh, 
a plugin repository in a linked inside of the docs, which essentially collects plugins from all over the network. And, uh, and we try to essentially showcase a little bit what is possible. So there we have anything from, uh, from, a, uh, from plugins that actually test the specification uh, as the pay test plugin, for example, that performs fake payments to see if, uh, if a payment would have gone through if it were uh, like that. Or it, uh, it can be uh, something like a circuit breaker, which, uh, which ensures that the payments you forward are actually uh, going to terminate and stuff like that. So from operations over to specification to development, we have plugins. There's a plugin for that, I guess it should be the saying. Um, and of course, if, uh, uh, if uh, you have questions, there is always our Discord uh, chat, which we, uh, which we use quite extensively to uh, discuss development, uh, discuss ideas, or uh, help new users uh, join, the, uh, join the Lightning uh, community. Oh, that's great. Well, Christian, I really appreciate your time today and uh, look forward to catching up with you next time. Hopefully we won't wait two years for the next one. <laughs> Let's hope not. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. All right. You bet. Thank you. 